Hello, hello, hello. Hello again. <laughs> so, I get the honor of reading our Advent this morning. So, uh, for those of you who uh, weren't here last Sunday, uh, that would be me included. Um, we are currently doing an Advent, and that's uh, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day. Uh, I live a beautiful little wreath up here. Um, so, this is a season of expectancy. Uh, we look forward to the day of celebrating Jesus' birth as Israel looked forward to the coming Messiah. Uh, these four candles represent 400 years between the last book of the Old Testament and when it was finished and when Jesus was born. So each week we light another candle and are reminded of another important part of who Christ is. So last week we did the hope candle. This week we could do the peace candle. Uh, you don't mind me just taking a moment just to kind of share. This means a lot to me this morning because last week was pretty crazy rough. <laughs> um, as you might know, I've got a little one-year-old boy, and uh, he's finally on his legs. He's toddling around. He's taking some pretty hard falls. Uh, last night was a really rough one. Uh, he, I was upstairs working on the worship music, and uh, I heard Abby frantically, Zach! Zach! And that's not a good sign. So, uh, she doesn't usually yell my name frantically like that. So I come downstairs, and here's Avery in mom's arms, just crying, just blood smeared all over his face. He had face planted on the floor, and he hit his nose pretty rough. And so, thankfully, we washed him up, checked him, he was breathing okay, he did fine. Actually, was laughing and splashing all over the place in the tub, and so it didn't phase him nearly as bad as it phased mom and dad. But man, between the work schedules and my little boy, and just all the craziness, especially around Christmas, it can be kind of rough schedule-wise. Peace is something that we really need. And that's why when I looked up the verse in Isaiah and I read it last night, and now I'm just realizing how amazing this is. So to introduce, um, I'm going to read Isaiah 9, 6, or 7 in a second. I'll give you a little backstory. King David was a man of the God's own heart, and he was Israel's greatest king. God promised that his, him and his descendants would last forever. Jesus is our Prince of Peace, and he was also part of David's royal line. And this was told to Israel centuries before Christ. So Isaiah 9, 6 or 7 says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for bringing us to see how wonderful of a counselor you are, how peaceful of a prince you are, how mighty of a God you are. I thank you for the peace that you bring us, not just through this season, 
but throughout every year, in the past, present, now, and in the future. God, I pray that we would come to grasp how great your peace is today, and that your peace would follow us continually all the days of our lives, that we would share that peace with others. God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for us, and that he is alive in heaven. Thank you so much, Zach. Uh, I'm really glad we're doing this uh, Advent uh, wreath. This is really nice to uh, make a part of uh, our uh, Advent se- uh, season, uh, preparing our hearts for uh, the co- first coming of Christ. Uh, if you are a first-time guest with us, welcome to Riverwood. My name is Aaron, uh, the teaching pastor here, and really, really glad you've uh, joined us on the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, if you are that first-time guest, hopefully when you walked in, uh, you were given one of our handouts. Inside of that is a blue connection card. Uh, our church family fills that out every single week. We just fill out the top line, and then we use the back for prayer requests. Uh, I'm going to be talking in my message about a way we can use it. Uh, we also sign up for various things, like when we serve at the food bank, which I'm going to mention in a moment. But if you're that first-time guest, if you'd be willing to fill out the entire front of that card, what we do is for every first-time guest that fills out the front, we donate $5 to Compassion International. Uh, Compassion is an organization that has a goal to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. They work through local churches all around the world. And not only do they help change the lives of children, but sometimes it actually goes on to completely transform a, an entire village, an entire community. And so we would love to just make the small difference in the life of a child by honoring your presence with us today. So if you're willing, no one's going to arm twist you. We're not going to force you into anything. We're not going to uh, you know, sell your information to anyone. But if you're willing to fill that out, uh, we would uh, love to just make a small difference in the life of a child and donate $5 on your behalf. Uh, a couple of announcements uh, before we get going uh, today. Uh, today at 5 o'clock, uh, we're having our cookie exchange. So if you want to participate, bring two dozen cookies uh, here and uh, just a time of snacks and hanging out and the ladies are going to mingle and then put all the cookies together on different trays and then uh, going to take some of them into the neighborhood and just go and tell people, hey, Merry Christmas. And by the way, we're having a Christmas Eve service uh, at 7 p.m. We'd love for you to come and join us. So just a simple way to be a blessing to our neighbors and invite them to our Christmas Eve uh, celebration. So come with two dozen cookies and have a lot of fun today. And then also we are serving at the food bank this Tuesday. So if you are available, uh, go ahead and sign it uh, up on your card. If you signed up last week, you don't need to sign up again. Uh, but just indicate that you're coming to help serve at the food bank. You can come and help at the 415 setup shift or the 515 distribution shift. Just so you know, uh, Christmas tends to be one of our larger times at the, the food pantry. Uh, the line tends to snake pretty long. Right now, weather is looking to be kind of cold, so we're probably going to have to bring some people inside. So we really could use some volunteers just to help uh, distribute the food and then really make sure that the boxes can get taken out uh, to their, their car. So if you are available at all, even if you can't get there until like 5.30, 5.40, we'd still love you to come. Even if you only help one or two people, it still will make a, a big difference. Uh, all right. And then uh, last thing, uh, we're having Christmas Eve on uh, December 24th. It's Tuesday this year. Uh, we're going to be meeting at 7 p.m. Uh, we're going to have a really simple, beautiful candlelight service here. Inside of your handout are two invitational cards, all right? One of those can serve as your reminder and one's to give away. Or if you want, go ahead and give both away. If you need more cards, they're more back on the give and grow table as well as out on the uh, hospitality table. Uh, please take some cards, invite coworkers, invite neighbors, invite some friends, someone who may not be planning to go to church, 
that they would come with you. And we're just going to be talking about uh, majesty in a manger. It looks to be a really simple, beautiful night. So I hope you will come and enjoy us. Well, for this second message in our Advent series that we're calling uh, The Cost of Christmas, this week I've titled my sermon, uh, do I have a problem? What? Oh, impact gift. Thank you. Okay. You, you could have just skipped it. it. These guys can, can read. Impact gift. Thank you. Uh, we're collecting that next Sunday, December 15th. The, the way it's going to work is we're going to take our normal offering, uh, but then uh, we're going to do a second offering. And 100% of that offering will be given this year to the Northeast Iowa Food Bank. As the elders talked and we're trying to decide where to give, it just seemed a natural fit. We've been giving uh, to the food, mobile food pantry, which comes out of Northeast Iowa Food Bank. Uh, we've been giving of our time, our skills, our influence, but we realized we probably should, you know, follow our fist, the finances, influence, skills, and time. So we thought this year, let's let's give there. Uh, so 100% of what will be given on the 15th is going there. If you're not going to be with us next Sunday uh, because of, of, of travel or, or whatever, you can give online. Uh, the, that uh, fund is open. Just go to uh, the Riverwood website at the very bottom. You can give online, and that will take you to a page. Just select Christmas offering in the drop-down menu, and you can give online. You can do that this week. We will also keep it open all of next week, and then we will announce uh, how much we uh, are able to give as an impact gift and make a little difference in the lives of some people in our area. So please participate with us. We'd love to just be generous together as a church. Thank you very much. All right, so now we get to start uh, the second <laughs> message in our Advent series, The Cost of Christmas. And this week I've titled the message, Sacrificed Livelihood. And now if you go to the dictionary like I did on my, my MacBook, I went to the Oxford Dictionary, and the definition is to secure a mean, or sacri- uh, a means of securing the necessities of life. So for most of you, that is your job. Uh, you, you, you go to work, you get a paycheck, and then out of that paycheck, you pay for your rent or your mortgage. Uh, you, you buy the food at the grocery store to put on the table. You, uh, you know, afford the gasoline to put in the car so you can actually drive to work. Like that is your livelihood. That's your means to secure the necessities of life. Well, today we're going to expand this just a little bit. We're going to say that a livelihood isn't just trying to secure the necessities of life. It's actually our search for what we think are necessities in life. It's us, in a sense, fooling ourselves into saying that we need this in order to truly be happy. Now, now I realize for some of you, this is actually your job. Like, you go to work and you love it. Like, you, you get up in the morning, there's joy, you, you look forward to being with your coworkers. Like, you're good at what you do, and, and you feel like, I was made to do this. And so that's great. That is your livelihood. But for some of you, yeah, your job isn't really your livelihood. It, your job probably feels more like the machine, down in the pit of despair, where in The Princess Bride, where you set the level... And then it sucks that many years of life out of you. That's what your job feels like. You feel like every month I give into this thing is another life, year of my life, gone, wasted, sucked away. So for you to truly feel alive, you look into other places. And that has become your livelihood. For instance, some of you, it's, it's shopping. It, you think, you, you fool yourself. I, you, you say, I need this new pair of shoes. I need a new phone. I need the latest and greatest. If I can get that, then I will be happy. So you go about trying to secure that for yourself. Others of you, it's, it's entertainment. You escape from the pain of life in, in a movie, in, in a TV show. And you fool yourself thinking, like, well, I need this time to rest. I need this 
in order to truly feel alive. This is when I am happiest. Some of you, it's, it's your hobby. Like you're, you're not really feeling alive until you're out in your workshop. You know, it, it's when you go to the, the gym or, or you, you watch your favorite sports team. Like when you get involved in this hobby, now you think, I, I feel great. And you actually work out your calendar so that you can watch your, 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 you know, your, your team. You can do this activity because you need this to stay sane. Others of us, it's substances. Whether it's just getting another hit of sugar, or it's another bottle, or maybe it's even something that we keep hidden, and it's prescription, or it's even illegal. We go about trying to secure this because we have fooled ourselves into thinking, I need this in order to really enjoy life. And I could go on. We, we turn all sorts of things into needs. Relationships, uh, social media, books, I mean, any, anything. You could take it and twist it. And, and many of these things, they're, they're good. I mean, or, or at least neutral. But when you take a good thing and you make it an ultimate thing, that is a bad thing. Sometimes what we need to do is sacrifice it. Sometimes we need to sacrifice it because it, it's really not good for us. But sometimes it's a fine thing. But it's actually keeping us from something better. And we need to sacrifice our livelihood. Because when we sacrifice it, we're creating the space now in our heart, in our mind, in our soul, in our spirit, for God to do a deeper work, to draw us into a more intimate relationship with him. So often we want that, but we're not willing to give this up. And today what we're going to see is that for us to truly enjoy Christmas, not just at this time of year, but year-round, sometimes it means we've got to open up our hands, we've got to surrender it, we've got to sacrifice it, we've got to let it go so that we can have more Christ. So to help us see that today, we're going to open up to the book of Luke. So if you brought a Bible with you today, whether a paper copy or a digital one, would you please open that up to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. I've got, I'm going to have the scripture on the screen. You're going to be able to read right along with us. Um, but uh, if you don't have one, please stop by our Give and Grow table after our worship gathering today. We've got two different kinds, uh, two different translations back there. We'd love to just give you one. That would be our Christmas gift to you. Uh, also, if you've got a smartphone and you have a Bible on it, go ahead and, and pull that out and use that. You'll notice several of our Riverwood family already doing that, so feel for, comfortable doing that. And if you don't have a Bible on your phone, then download one. That way, wherever you go with your phone, you always have a Bible with you. Um, I've invited Matt and Cassie Townsley to come and uh, read this for us today. So they're going to read. As they get ready to read, I would like us to pray and prepare our hearts to hearing the Word of God. So Heavenly Father, uh, now as we get ready to, to hear directly from you in what you wrote long ago and yet is still relevant today, help us to hear. Open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds, and open our eyes to see and hear and comprehend what you have for us. Today, God, some of us are going to need to make some big decisions. So I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would give us the guts to do so and that we would hear loud and clear from you. So Lord, speak to us now. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Tyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. 
And while they were there, the time came for him to give birth, for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. All right, thank you guys so much. All right, like last week's uh, passage, this is another very, very familiar passage. In fact, I would argue that this week's passage is even more familiar than last week's passage all about Gabriel announcing to Mary that she's going to give birth to the Messiah. Like, this is the passage that I think is read in every church in North America on Christmas Eve. I, I mean, this is the passage that my wife's family would read every Christmas before they could open their, their presents. I, I mean, at, at minimum, you've probably heard Linus reciting a good portion of this in the Charlie Brown Christmas. I mean, this is the Christmas passage. So what in the world does it have to do with livelihood? Well, let me explain. The, the passage starts out with Mary and Joseph. I have to go to Bethlehem because of this census. And while there, they give birth to baby Jesus. But then in verse 8, Luke shifts the spotlight away from them. Think, think like the nativity. And suddenly he takes the spotlight away from them and he shines it on this shepherd. Now, now yes, in verses 18 to 20, there's angels. That, that It gets back to Mary and Joseph. But primarily, the main characters are these shepherds. Now, I realize some of you have heard the reputation that shepherds have. I mean, if you've been in church for long, you know, you've possibly heard a sermon about it. Maybe you've read about it, heard something on the radio. Shepherds have a bad reputation. They were considered the outcasts of their community. And this week in my study, I discovered some sources that said, yes, definitely, these guys were rejected. They were the lowlifes. But then I found some sources that said, well, actually, that's not true. For instance, the Net Bible, uh, the NET, New English Translation. I, I really like the, their, their translation. They've got great study notes. But in their study notes, they acknowledge this reputation. But they said this reputation didn't really come into existence until about the 5th century. Uh, I found another source that, that was pointing out that all throughout Scripture, some of the greatest Jews were shepherds. You've got Abraham. You've got uh, um, Moses, uh, King David. E even God himself calls himself a shepherd, whether you see it in, in the Proverbs or in the Psalms or in Isaiah, where he talks about in prophecy. 
And, and so because of some of the greatest heroes of the Jewish faith and God himself calling himself a shepherd, shepherds did not have this low reputation. In, in fact, in the uh, Bible uh, knowledge commentary, they said that these shepherds that were around Bethlehem possibly worked for the t- local temple. They were raising the sheep that were going to be sacrificed at Passover. If so, then they were gainfully employed and they wouldn't have been these outcasts to society. And yet at the same time, I found just as reliable sources that said the exact opposite. Uh, one said that they were, uh, I think it was the IVP uh, Bible um, commentary. They, they, they said that, yes, they were, they were kind of on the outcast, the fringes of society, because they couldn't regularly participate within the religious activities of the community because their job kept them out. They couldn't stay as involved, and they were seen as, as unclean. Uh, Tom Constable, a longtime uh, Dallas Theological Seminary professor, he, he says that, that they had the reputation of being very untrustworthy. And then I found one source this week, uh, or I guess I read it last week, that, that actually said that shepherds weren't just untrustworthy. They were actually hated. Because what would happen is some shepherds would take their sheep onto other people's properties, and if you're not careful, sheep will absolutely decimate a property. They will eat the grass all the way down to the root and just ruin a field. And some shepherds would allow their sheep to graze on other people's properties. And so they weren't just untrustworthy. They just weren't on the fringe. They were actually hated. So I can't tell you whether they were really kind of respected, wealthy, regular citizens, or or if they were actually these outcasts. But perhaps both are true. Maybe there really were some shepherds that were respected. They were wealthy. Maybe they were even employed by the temple but didn't really want to spend the night out with the sheep. And so he'd want to stay with his wife and his children at home. So he hires some shepherds to care for his sheep, to stay with the flocks at night. And perhaps it was these guys who were untrustworthy. Maybe it's these guys who took the sheep to properties that weren't that didn't belong to them or weren't available. Maybe it was these guys who didn't participate in the regular thing of life in the community. But whether or not they're respected... Whether or not they actually were untrustworthy, they were the outcasts, or maybe I'm right and it was a mix, it ultimately doesn't matter for what we want to see today. What I want you to see today is right there in verses 15 and 16. Luke 2, 15 and 16 says this, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So you have this angel show up in the middle of the night. So I want you to imagine, it, it's not like a city where there's all this electricity. Like, it's really dark outside. You can see the stars. Everything's really clear. It's probably a, a summer night. If, you know, the air's kind of nice and crisp. And, and they're, they're sitting there around campfires with their sheep. And suddenly, bright light, angel appears, and its voice just echoes through the whole valley. Can you imagine the scene? And he's announcing the first Christmas. And then all of a sudden it says this whole host of angels appear. Now while it says that they that the text says that he said that they said, I love to think that they sang. That they sang the first Christmas song. And could you imagine the chorus and it overwhelming these shepherds. And then suddenly as the first Christmas song comes to an end, they disappear into the dark. It's like the curtain closes and the first Christmas pageant is done. And what do the shepherds do? They don't freak out, which is probably what I would do. 
They don't start applauding. Wow, that was really good. They don't just sit back down at their campfires. Huh, that was, that was interesting. No, they look at each other, eyes wide. We gotta go. Let's see. And notice how they, they leave. It says right there in the first phrase of verse 16. And they went with haste. It means they didn't stop to pack. They didn't, they didn't just start discussing, oh wait, where, where do you think we should go in Bethlehem? Maybe we should go, you know, the McCurry property, maybe. No, they just like took off. Which means they left their sheep behind. The shepherds never leave their sheep. Never. Because those sheep are their livelihood. It is through those sheep that they get clothing, the, the wool. It's through those sheep that they get money. They sell off the, the wool. They sell off the sheep. It's through those sheep that they can get meat. Like these sheep are everything. And to leave them is to risk it all. Now, perhaps you've heard that sheep have a, just like shepherds have a reputation of being rejects, that sheep have a reputation of being really, really dumb and defenseless. I mean, as, as you look at a sheep, they don't exactly look the most intelligent. They, they don't have fangs and claws to help protect themselves. They're not exactly known for cheetah speed. Like, they, they just look like, you know, cotton candy served up for wild animals. I mean, it, like, it's a ready-made meal. You just, you just think that, no. But actually, sheep are a little greater than we kind of give them uh, credit. It, it turns out that they have an incredibly strong kick. That, that some of them aren't afraid to use their head and to, to headbutt an, an enemy. They, they're also faster than, than we give them credit for. And they're far more intelligent than we realize. Uh, there were some studies, and I didn't get the particulars on it, but there have been a couple of studies done that show that some sheep actually have a better recall on human faces than humans do. That one study showed that they were able to recall 50 different humans over a two-year period. And also that they were able to determine differences between sheep. They knew who was who. These animals are not dumb. So where did they get this reputation from? I think it's from the fact that they are very skittish, they're a bunch of scaredy cats, and they're also very social. Meaning that if a wild animal were to show up, the emotion would run through the herd faster than a cold virus can go through a preschool. I mean, it would just go, and they would take off running. Petrified, and they would work together to protect one another. And so if a shepherd were to take off, and a jackal or a mountain lion were to suddenly show up, when he returns... He may not find his flock. They may have taken off because something threatened them. That's why shepherds don't leave their sheep. But it isn't just wild animals that he should be afraid of. He should actually be afraid of other shepherds. Because if they really do have this reputation of being untrustworthy, well, if one comes wandering along and finds a few sheep, hey, where's their shepherd? Well, finders keepers. Because for him, that's more income. That's going to serve his livelihood. He's going to be able to get, you know, sell off their, their wool. He needs more food for his family. You know, he could just sell them off or, or mate them and, and create more sheep. And so he's just going to get richer and wealthier. So, hey, I found them. They're not mine. This is why a good shepherd would never leave his sheep. I mean, heck, even a bad shepherd wouldn't leave his sheep because he needs those to survive. I mean, even if it is true that there were wealthy shepherds who employed these other ones, they wouldn't leave because if they left them and it gets found out, they lose their job. And it's not like they could just go and open up the one ads. So they need this. 
So even bad shepherds don't leave their sheep. So why does Luke record that they went with haste, leaving their sheep behind? Because the same thing that we saw last week as we looked at Mary and Joseph and discovered that Christmas cost them their reputation, how could they do it so willingly? Jesus, it's worth it. For the shepherds to hear that the long-awaited Messiah has come. He's worth it. And they could risk it all and leave it behind. Throughout history, there have been all sorts of Jesus followers who have sacrificed their livelihood for the sake of the gospel. They have given up their homes and their families and all for the sake of Jesus. Because once they've discovered that Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of their sins and rose again from the dead to show he had power over all things, including death itself, it has changed their life. So because Jesus gave it all for them, they gladly and willingly will sacrifice their livelihood for the sake of the name. Like Dan and Lisa. A few months ago, Dan and Lisa actually surprised Leanne and I by walking in here on a Sunday morning. Some of you had the opportunity to meet them. Uh, Leanne and I knew Dan and Lisa back in Cedar Rapids. Uh, they were a part of our church. They were members there. Uh, Dan worked as an accountant. Lisa homeschooled their children. But God had been stirring inside of them that they were to give their life to overseas missions, particularly to do ministry to the children of missionaries, to work in a missionary kid's school. And as this percolated within them, they realized they needed to give up their livelihood. So Dan quit his job. They sold their house. They engaged in fundraising, and they headed off to Managua, Nicaragua. And they spent the last several years at Nagara, Nicaragua Christian Academy. And they're back in the U.S. right now for a year and just praying, all right, Lord, what do you have for us next? They were willing to sacrifice their livelihood because in their minds, Jesus was worth it. But remember, we've expanded this definition. It isn't just giving up your job. It's giving up anything that you have fooled yourself into thinking, I need this. And so what, what is it that you are saying, I need this? Like, I need this ice cream. I, I need to watch this movie. I, I need to enter into this relationship, even if it may not seem healthy to everyone else. I need to drink another one. I need these things in order to be happy. And maybe God is asking you to sacrifice that. Like Jamie. Jamie was in a an unhappy marriage to Ben. And so when a guy at work began to be flirtatious, next thing you know, she finds herself in an affair. Her husband finds out about it, turns to their pastor. The pastor sits down with them and just re-explains the gospel. And as Jamie hears it, she ends up realizing, I've broken my marital vows. Jesus has died to forgive me of my sin. So she called the guy up right then and there and says, it's over, hangs up, looks at the pastor and says, all right, now what do we do? And over the next several weeks and months, they began to work to repair their marriage. And it was a joy for Leanne and I to get to be there at their vow renewal ceremony as their pastor friend led them in exchanging marital vows again. But also it could be doing what Matt and Lauren did. They had been saving money to redecorate their house. It had really become very outdated and, and, and it just needed to be really spruced up. So they had been saving all this money and they were just on the verge of getting ready to begin the project when their church announced a church capital campaign. And as they prayed about what they need to give, both of them individually sensed God saying, I want you to give all that you saved. And Matt actually confessed that he actually looked at his wife and says, no, we've got to buy the carpet really, really quick. 
they ended up obeying, surrendered it all, gave all of it. Because they realized we don't need to redecorate our house. It's fine the way it is. Maybe we can do it later. Right now, God's asking us to do this so we can sacrifice this because Jesus is worth it. Maybe we just take our own very own Miguel. For years, Miguel fought being an alcoholic. It ruled his life. But for the last eight years, Miguel's been sober. And it's been worth it because of Jesus. If these people can sacrifice these things, you can sacrifice these things. Right now, God may be stirring something inside of you. What is it you need to give up? To start 2020, we're going to be doing the 21 days of prayer for the third year in a row. I'm going to ask you to really seriously consider fasting from something. Maybe maybe it's a you know, particular TV program. Maybe it's all TV. Maybe it's social media or one platform. Maybe there's a certain type of food you need to give up. Or maybe even like one day a week you fast from all food. I, I don't know what it is. But I'm going to encourage you, if you're part of the Riverwood family, join us on this journey to really seek after God, to dedicate 2020 to him. And let's do this together. But as a part of this, what can we sacrifice? Something that we think is our livelihood, what can we give up? But I realize for some of you, you don't need to wait until 2020. You need to start today. Because God has already been hounded on you. He's been lovingly pursuing you. He's been saying this already. And you hearing me talk about this is just him saying, please, listen. So don't wait till January 1st. Start today. Start to open it up and give it to him. Now, it's going to be hard. You, you long for this thing. You build patterns and habits into your life so that you can get this. So it, it's going to be difficult. But I want to encourage you. You won't be alone. Because right now, there are other people who are feeling the same thing you are. And they're going to make a very similar decision as you. And they're going to open up their hand and they're going to sacrifice it. So you won't be doing this alone. And at the same time, you'll be in good company. Because all throughout history and all throughout the world, people are doing this. Because Jesus is worth it. So... If you give this up now, maybe you're just going to give it up now for the rest of this year. Maybe you're going to do it now and go all the way through the 21 days. Maybe you're going to give this up now for the rest of your life. But if you do, you will not be the only one who ever done this. You'll be following a great lineage, a great legacy of people who've given it all because of Jesus. They have sacrificed their livelihood because Jesus is worth it. And if that doesn't encourage you enough, and all you need to do is look at Christ himself. Because Jesus, the Son of God, left his livelihood, his throne, to come to earth, to take on human flesh, to live a fully human life, but a completely sinless life. And yet, he went to a cross to die a sinner's death, dying in our place, to give us life. And now that he's risen from the dead, he now looks at every single one of us and says, I've given it all for you because you were worth it. Would you now give this up to me? Because I'm worth it. He loves you. You're worth everything to him. He gave it all for you. So this Christmas, would you sacrifice? Will you sacrifice your livelihood? Will you accept this cost? Because it's going to be worth it. 
is it draws you into this deeper, intimate place with Christ as you seek him and you say, God, I want you more than this. And that will lead you into having one of the greatest worship experiences you've had during the Christmas season. So Heavenly Father, I just pray right now for those that are uh, pondering, considering, praying, struggling, wrestling. And right now, as your Holy Spirit is calling them to sacrifice, there's a part of them that says yes, and another part that is, is saying no. God, give us the strength to open our hands, to loosen our grip, and to lay it before you. God, for some of us, it's, it's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. And yet, it's taken residence in our heart, and it's become a primary thing. And it's taken the place of you. And we need to set that down before you so that you can reassume your throne in our lives. Some of us, it, it, what we're holding on to, it's not healthy for us. It's embarrassing. And yet, God, we need to lay it before you. So right now, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you give everyone in here the courage and guts to lay it before you, to sacrifice it. Jesus, you gave all for us. Help us to give all to you. Lord, for the person in this room right now that, that does not know you, that right now you would help them in their heart to bend their knee, to bow before the King, and to proclaim you as their, their Lord, as their Savior, as their God. And today would be a day of rebirth. If they discover the, the power of your gospel, they surrender it all to you. God, for your son, your daughter that's in this room, that they know the story of Jesus on the cross. They know about his resurrection from the grave. They've even maybe even made steps saying a prayer or, or, or being baptized or, or engaging in different activities because they believe it to be true. And, and yet, God, they're keeping it on the side. They're not letting you be front and center. God, right now, would you give them the courage to say yes to you and no to their desires, no to everything else in this world? Because you are so worth it. Jesus, help us to keep our eyes on you, realizing you are not asking us to do anything that you yourself have not already done. You left it all behind for us. God, help us to leave it all behind for the sake of you. Because I believe that is what will give you the greatest glory, and it's where we will find our greatest joy. This is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We want to create an opportunity for you to talk to God. We want you to spend some time in prayer. We want you to listen to the words of this song. If you know the song, feel free to, to join in if it's what you need to worship. But also during this time, as you confess your sin and you confess these things you're holding on to, I invite you to come to the communion table. Because it's there, as you take that bread, you remember, Jesus gave it all for me. He paid the price. As you pick up that cup, you realize his blood was shed for the forgiveness of my sins. He gave it all for me. So as you take those, when you take those saying, all right, Jesus, you've shown the strength. Now give that strength to me. Help me to pay the cost. Help me to open my hands to sacrifice. Because you are worth it. So at any time during the song, please come. Let's do this now in remembrance of him.